Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, a part of the amazing FBA family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, co-hosted by myself, Michael Vizi, and Jason Miles, top 1% Shopify store owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving e-commerce business, look for The E-Commerce Leader on your favorite podcast app and subscribe today. Ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls, welcome to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven and eight figure Amazon sellers. Today I'm here with Jessica Totilo Costa of e-commerce badassery and uh, e-commerce badassery is e-commerce and email marketing strategy for scrappy entrepreneurs, people who are willing to get their hands dirty to do some work. I like the, the, the vibe already. So Jessica, warm welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Excited to be here. Yeah, good to have you here. So we're going to talk about email building in the context of that sort of weird hinterland that people often find them in, which is moving from Amazon towards their own direct-to-consumer site, Shopify, WooCommerce, Magento, whatever it is, and that sort of awkward hinterland that people are in for a while and, and how to sort of build a brand without just turning your back on Amazon nor just getting stuck on it. So interesting topic. It's something that keeps coming up a lot with uh, the guys in the masterminds that I run who are doing serious money on Amazon and now want to start to shore that up, protect themselves against suspension, potentially add value to the business. So before we get into that, just tell us a little bit about your background and where you come from, how you got started in this game. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I've been in the retail game for... 20 plus years. I used to sleep in my new shoes as a little girl, which is probably like not important, but really does set the stage for everything else I've done. And I had my own brick and mortar boutique as well back in the day before I moved to LA. And really when I was in school, like social media wasn't a thing. All this digital advertising wasn't a thing, but I knew I didn't want to get left behind so I really just started to dig in and learn a lot on my own, very self-taught. And then right before I started e-commerce badassery, I was at a retail company running their e-commerce. And for the first three years, I was the only employee, but we were doing seven figures. It was a really <laughs> stressful time. I cried a lot at that job, but I learned so, so much. And really, I loved what I did, but I was kind of over the corporate rat race. And I just saw this space online where there was a lot for kind of the super beginner, right? Like, here's how to set up your Shopify store. And then there was a lot for the super, super big brands, but there wasn't a ton for the people in the middle. And that's where I really wanted to kind of insert myself and a lot of the people that I work with, they don't necessarily have a retail background or an e-commerce background. They just created a product or they wanted to get into it because it's passive income in quotes here, but they didn't really know kind of the operations behind it or the marketing behind it. And so that's where I really come in to support them. And it's the best job I've had so far. Excellent. 
Sounds like you've earned your spurs. I mean, it sounds like being, being the only employee in a seven-figure business sounds a pretty tough, tough apprenticeship. But I guess you learn a lot. It's a guy, I remember yeah. speaking to some doctors uh, once who's, uh, and I used to teach music a lot in there. I, had this, I was speaking to two doctors who were married and they were just both saying about in medical training in the UK, it used to be you had this junior house doctor position, probably similar in the US, I guess, where you basically work 12-hour shifts. And they said it's brutal, but you learn a lot quickly when things yeah. are brutal. So I guess you've, you've earned your spurs and I guess you can also save some pain for other people so yeah. they don't have to recreate everything you did so let's talk then you've you've obviously by the way i love the, the positioning just before we move on that there is a lot of content for super beginners on, on uh in the amazon space is just awash with that you cannot move for for gurus trying to sell you the fact that you're going to replace your day job in 12 months yeah which by the um, way for anyone listening please don't come to me if you want to do that i don't believe it's going to happen i've had clients approach me by taught by people you should know better I don't believe in that. So don't come here, please, because that's not going to happen. Right? So let me just put that out there. But you're absolutely right. There's loads of stuff for beginners, some of which is very dodgy, but they're still out there. Yeah. And there's lots for the big brands. And you're right. The people in the middle get a bit abandoned. And that's exactly who I'm trying to serve with the, the 10K collector, the six, seven, eight figure sellers. They're not yet big enterprise size, but they're not beginners either. So that's brilliant. That really fits. So let's talk about the reality of transitioning from Amazon to Shopify or whatever it is. Let's just agree. If I say Shopify, any direct to consumer site, folks, let's not get partisan about that gets boring old quickly. I don't care if you're on WooCommerce, Shopify, Magento, whatever else, right? Just to be clear. But anyway, Shopify or other things. Tell us about the, the reality. What's your experience of the sort of reality checks that people coming off a marketplace like Amazon hit when they go D to C? Yeah that you actually have to drive your own traffic, right? I think there is this misconception, at least that is what I have seen, is that Shopify, I'm just using them specifically because they've blown up so much, but it's like people think Shopify is a marketplace and it's not. So if you have your own website, your number one job is to drive traffic to it. Now, there are tons of different ways you can do that, paid, organic, email, all that stuff, but that's your job. So a lot of people get frustrated with Amazon or Etsy, for example, because, oh, they're taking all of these fees. Well, those fees, right, you're paying for the traffic. It's like if you have a brick and mortar, and you rent a space in a mall, you're going to pay a lot more than you would for a freestanding store because you are paying for the traffic that the mall is bringing you. So then that is the number one thing. And I, I am all for diversification. I don't think you should build your entire business on rented land. Like anything can happen. You can get kicked off at Amazon tomorrow. So I do think it's important that you do both at a minimum but just know that it's going to be a lot more work than it was to get up and running on something like Amazon or Etsy. Yeah, good reality check. And, and obviously this is from somebody who's um, literally physically run their own retail store. You've kind of transitioned online from the offline world and then you've helped clients yeah. with, with both online, their own site and, and marketplace. So I guess you've seen all sides of this. Yeah. yeah, and I would just say this, that there is more value in a direct-to-consumer site than in an FBA-based business. If you're like looking at multiples of seller discretionary earnings, profit, EBITDA, whatever preferred term it is uh, of the hour, 
it's going to be more like 7x than 3x. No, the exact multiple, I can't tell you, and it's changing all the time anyway. But there's a reason for that, because it's a lot harder. So it's just the same yeah. as if you've got an <laughs> undefensible Amazon business, somebody can create it quickly and it'll disappear quickly. So I guess what, what takes some sweat to create is at least more valuable. So I guess it's one nice thing to say. So we're talking about list building for, for email in the context of this. I mean, how does email list building fit into this whole journey of traffic creation? I mean, for starters, how do you view email uh, list? Is that a traffic source or is it, how does it fit into a sort of sales funnel for you? So it's, it's really a little bit of both. And I think it depends a little bit on the business as well, right? I actually, I just had a client who I worked with her in the past. She's a solopreneur. She's like super overwhelmed. She has a subscription box and we've become friends, right? So we're just kind of chatting and I'm like, girl, like you got to send an email. You got to send an email. And it's always on the back burner for her. It's the last thing she thinks about it. And then it's like, hey, do I sleep or do I send an email? And so she chooses to sleep. Well, she just messaged me this morning and she was like, oh my God, I'm so dumb. You are so right. I sent an email and I made $1,700. So... <laughs> It is a communication channel, number one, but it is also a traffic channel. It's repeat traffic, sure, but that's still traffic. And more than anything, too, it's a revenue generating channel. And that's what I think people miss is we get so caught up in the acquisition of new customers and we have to run ads and we have to be on social and we have to do this. When you could just send an email and make money from the people who already know, like, and trust you. Now, that's not to say you don't get new customers. You need that, too, because running your own e-commerce website is truly a numbers game. But the power of revenue in email is insane. It has the highest ROI of any marketing channel 40 to one on average i would say some of the sharpest minds i know in the e-commerce space are busy doing things like facebook ads but they're driving them to sign up for email and then emails the nurturing and sort of mm -hmm. if you like the, the middle of the funnel traffic channel so so i guess the next thing to say then once we've figured out how email fits in the fact that it's extremely valuable that you get a massive roi is still i guess even like it used to be 20 years ago the money's in the list and it still means email list in many cases so then the next question becomes how do we build that email list that's the sixty-four thousand dollar question <laughs> isn't it yeah so here's the thing right is i understand like when you're coming from amazon those are not your customers right you don't own that data it's amazon's data they have all these rules around not being able to put inserts into your packages and things like that so if you're trying to make a transition or even if you're just trying to build up what you have on amazon anyway is really focus on building a brand around your product. And maybe the place you start is on social media, right? So where does your customer hang out? Like, don't think about the fact whether they shop on Amazon or not. Just where does that person hang out and start to create a presence there depending upon where they are, right? For some brands, that's going to be Instagram. For some, that's going to be Facebook. It could even be LinkedIn. You just don't know. So start there, but when it comes to, I want to actually to kind of preface this with, I don't think you should necessarily do only Amazon, only your own website. You should do both. And I think the main thing to remember is people who shop Amazon, just they shop Amazon, right? 
don't worry about trying to get your Amazon customers to your e-commerce website. That's going to be so hard and not worth your time. Just focus on finding new people who want your product on your own website. So that alone, if you could just focus there is going to be a lot less stressful. And then you need to figure out, all right, cool. So I have my own site. I'm going to find new customers. I'm going to drive new traffic. How do I get their email? My first question is to you, what are you going to give them in exchange? Emails, the inbox, it's like they're inviting you into you know, their home. It's a very sacred space, especially these days, because every company is trying to email them about everything. And that's not to say it doesn't work because it does, but you have to really treat it with care. So there's a few ways that are usually like my go-to for growing a list. Of course, we have the discount offer, right? Which some people are afraid to use. They think it's going to train their customers. Giving a welcome discount is not going to train your customers to wait for sales. Running sales every week is going to train them to wait, right? Whether or not that works for you is going to depend a little bit on your business, but start thinking beyond just getting the sale and think about creating a long-term relationship with them. So how else can you bring value, joy, excitement to their life? And what can you give them in exchange for that? So I like to use a skincare example. This is like the, I think the easiest to wrap your head around, right? And you see a lot of informational giveaways and service-based businesses, but they work for product-based businesses too. So let's say someone is looking to have clearer, more glowy skin. So you can create content around that and you can create a PDF, 10 ways, right? To get glowing skin. One of those 10 ways is your product. So you're giving them other value. You're telling them to get a good night's rest. You're telling them to drink more water, but then you are also telling them, use my product. So that's one way you're essentially just giving a PDF in exchange for their email. And then my other favorite way is with a quiz. So the amazing thing about the quiz is not only are you helping the customer find the product that they are looking for faster, right? And as few clicks as you can give someone, the better on the internet, but you are also collecting more data on them that you can then use later in email marketing, in all of your marketing, really, and learn more about who your customer is and what they care about, which is really what you need to do in your business at the beginning. Can I just say how super smart the quiz thing is? Because it's doing three <laughs> things in one go. It's giving them some yeah. value. You're collecting information yeah. about them and they're segmenting themselves. I mean, that's Self. super smart. I really like that a lot. I have to say, also, it's one of those things that I come across every so often. I think, oh, that's genius. And then I forget it because I just go mm-hmm. back to the same old PDF download, which is actually harder work. And, and you know what else I've done? I've created, I've even bought the URLs for quizzes. I just never set them up because it's never seemed like a priority, right? I'm just fessing up all my sins here. So tell tell me, sell me on the quiz thing. Tell me why I've got to actually do this now. (laughs) For sure. And I'll actually give you an example of a client that I used to work with. She sells apparel and she, her lead magnet was a quiz and she, her whole company is all about higher quality, longer lasting, environmentally friendly. She's a B Corp. It's all about minimalism 
all of that. So she had a quiz that would essentially be find your style and then it would bring them to a curated assortment of product. They took it down when the pandemic hit because a lot of the questions were about travel and work. So it just felt misaligned for them. So they took it down and they just put up like a regular pop-up with a discount. It doesn't convert as well as the quiz did. Not only at the sign-up, but also at the purchase afterwards. So there's one piece for you. But think about one of... When you're online and you're not in person, you can't have a conversation with someone, it can be really hard to figure out who they are and what they care about. So when you have the quiz, it is like, almost like having that two-way conversation with them, right? You're asking them a question, they're giving you the, the answers. So, I mean, why would you not do it? And that allows you it's think of it too. It's kind of a customer service play, right? Because especially if you have a wide assortment of product, you have people contacting you. Well, I don't know which is the right one for me. Oh, should I get this one or should I get that one? Or they try one and it's not what they wanted. It didn't do what they thought it was going to do. So now they want to return it. But if you can take them down that path, right through the quiz and give them exactly what it is that they need to solve the exact problem they're trying to solve. And it can limit all of that hem and hemming and hawing back and forth with your customer service team, that's a win. Cause I got to tell you like decreasing the number of customer service inquiries is just as poor as important a metric in your e-commerce business as your conversion rate. Cause it's going to save you so much time and energy. Love it. Wow. Sounding even better than I thought. I mean, so uh, <laughs> yeah, it, and it's interesting that you had an A-B comparison for with that one client just because for, for different reasons than they didn't like quizzes, yeah. they took it down. So that that's not sort of, when you got something that's working, you don't normally experiment with turning it off. Although if you're really brave, you do. I know had one uh, client at, at one point, they were doing probably getting close to eight figures at that point, And they turned off all their Amazon ads for about four weeks. So maybe it was three weeks, but it probably felt like a lifetime just to yeah. see what stuff needed ads and what it didn't. And I tell you what, if you've got the the, the, the courage is the, the polite word to do that, then uh, you can learn a lot. But actually that was a sort of unintentional test, but very, very interesting. So quizzes are where it's at. Love that very much. Now let's talk about some of the classic mistakes people make when they're trying to convert people. So we're going to leave the traffic piece to one side. We'll revisit that because obviously huge, but let's assume that people got to your site somehow. What are the other classic mistakes people make when they're trying to build an email list and they go wrong? Things not to do, in other words. <laughs> they don't email them. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I'm just, that is honestly, that is the biggest mistake is they don't email them when they get them. But when it comes to the actual building of the list, right? Some of the mistakes I see are doing giveaways with products that are not related to your product whatsoever. You see this a lot on Instagram. People are giving away like iPads and all this stuff, which cool. Like I'm going to enter that giveaway and I don't even enter giveaways, but those people do not care about your product, right? You are just building a list of people that are never, ever going to buy from you. It's not worth it. So really just when you are building that list, go for quality over quantity, 
Remember that your email service providers are charging you based on how many email subscribers you have. So why do you want people who are never going to buy from you? And even a list of targeted people, 50% of them probably are never going to buy from you. So like, don't fill it up with crap. But really the biggest thing is not believing in the power of email and really not investing your time in it. Don't let it be the last thing on your to-do list, right? That should be your first place of communication. That is where you should be pre-launching all of your products to giving early access for whatever deals and promos you're running. Like those are your people. Those are the people who are going to talk about you when you're not around because they just love you and your brand so much. So those are really the number, the number one things. Yeah, it makes sense. And I can understand that desperation. Like I've tried to get various responsive things. I haven't done so much with email marketing. It's probably a good thing I hadn't thought of it because I probably would have done it. But I've tried giving away Amazon vouchers to people to get um, podcast reviews and things before now. Just to get, I'm not even trying to manipulate the quality of the review. I just want to get some engagement. It doesn't work very well because I'm not really (laughs) that engaged. And I could run a contest and contests can be very, very powerful. My friend uh, Jason Miles, who runs winningonshopify.com is a huge believer in contests, but they are contests. They, they sell digital patterns for haute couture dolls clothes. How about niche? And they've made a living from that for over 10 years. So the, the riches are really in the niches, as you say, in the States. And guess what? That they, they also don't give away iPads. They, they have contests for the sort of stuff they sell. In other words, they're getting yeah. the right kind of people on their list and they're attracting the right kind of people. So totally hear you on that. And yeah, I, I guess I use email quite a bit. I necessarily do it well. I mean, we could talk about more about that piece but let's let's go backwards in the funnel for a minute and okay so we've got use the list once you get it we need to talk about that probably quizzes are a wonderful way to build it love that if you take nothing else away from this podcast i think that's value right there i really do but let's talk about how we get people to the site then so we talked about a social media presence obviously going where they are makes sense but have you got any more sort of specific strategies to approach that big old area of traffic For sure. You got to ask yourself first, do you have more time or do you have more money? Right? Because you don't get fast and cheap, not a thing. So either you have more time and not a lot of money, in which case you're going to focus on the organic piece. If you have more money, then just go paid. If you have a proven product already and product market fit and your pricing is good and all of that stuff, like just go paid if you really want quick results it's not magic. Remember ads for, they're only going to amplify what is already happening in your business, good or bad. So you really need to have that foundation in place first. But then when it just comes to driving traffic overall, whichever way you're going to do it, you've got new people, you've got your return customers and don't discount either one of them, right? You're going to want to split your time between that. And that depends a little bit on your business. How long have you been around? How often do people buy your product, right? I try never to go maybe less than 70% in either direction, but it it just kind of depends. It's too nuanced. So approach it that way first, And you have to, this is the other thing I see happen a lot is like this, it's not magic. You have to show up whatever it is that you are going to do to drive traffic. And we'll talk about that. You have to be in it every single day 
and working on it all of the time. There is no silver bullet. And if somebody on the internet told you that there is, they are lying to you. So I just want to clear the air on that. Um, <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah, I, I love that. I love your passion about this because, uh, yeah, this is the person that was almost single-handedly like Atlas holding the world up, the seven-figure business of one employee. So I, I've got that image of you in, in my mind there. And I think that that mirrors the lives of a lot of people listening, actually, if I, if I know my e-commerce operators. Yeah, yeah. and thank you for the reality. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't my business, but it sure did feel like it was. Yeah. You know, it really well, it's kind did. of worse. I mean, yeah, if it's your business, at least you get to sell it for a decent figure. So, I mean, in five, 10 years' time, I mean, if you're the sole employee, <laughs> you got all the weight on you. But yeah, I, and thank you for that. I, I guess that really, as you were saying, and I just, I guess it's a really super simple point, but it's a culture shift for those of us coming off Amazon. And we're kind of addicted to the drug that Amazon feeds us, which is just constant traffic. Yes, we may have to reduce prices to get it, we may have to fight for it but it's there, right? Whereas a website, yeah. the danger is cricket. So I guess what you're saying is yeah. that you've got to be just focused on that the whole time and, and really, really hustling, yeah. as you say, scrappy entrepreneurs. All right, so we've talked about paid and free. So let's talk about the, the free thing first, because obviously organic, if you want to call it that, I guess that a lot of people are aware of their thin margins or thinish in e-commerce. They have a lot of overhead and a lot of direct costs above all, right? So how, how do we do that in a way that isn't going to send us crazy? Because obviously you could spend all day on Instagram or on Facebook or whatever your channel is and do nothing except put posts up. So, so how do we get actual right. traction from that? Yeah. So there's kind of two main things I like to focus on when it comes to organic. And I am all about, I hate saying like working smarter, not harder. Like I am not about the hustle culture by any means. You need to have a life. That's why you went into business for yourself, right? Super important. So I want you to be really intentional about what you're doing and just know that organic takes more time. So you just have to be in that mindset. So the two main things I like to focus on are SEO and collaboration and getting in front of other people's audiences. Me being on Michael's podcast is me getting in front of other people's audiences, right? And you can do that in your product-based business too. And I think that we overlook this a lot because everyone just kind of wants to like hide in the back and just kind of hide behind their logo and not really have to like get out there and attach themselves to their brand. But it is so, so powerful. It's probably the fastest organic result that you will get. You will get. So SEO, right? It takes time, minimum three to six months, depending upon how long you've been in business. The longer you've been in business, the more traffic you already have, the faster you're going to see that SEO boost. It's just a lot of work up front. It is essentially free. I mean, you have to put in the time, energy, and effort in the beginning to create the content. And then if you're you know, going to have blog posts and things like that to continue to do those, but the success of that like compounds over time, right? And that content that you created three years ago is still going to continue to bring value to you. So yes, it's a lot of work up front, but it's a long-term play. Free traffic is the best traffic, right? Like you cannot beat ranking on page one of Google, even better if you can get in the top three spots and just be a resource for your customers on your industry, whatever is related to your topic. A really great example of this, if people aren't really sure how to do content marketing for their business, 
go look at the man registry and beard brand. They do this so well. Beard Brand was actually a content company before they were a product, and that's where they got their start. But then the Man Registry does a really, really good job creating content around being a groom, being a groomsman, all that stuff. And they actually, they hold the top spot for some of like the most basic queries, like what to get for a groomsman gift, things like that. So definitely go check them out. It's amazing. And then... The collaboration piece, who find those complementary businesses that you can partner with. You don't want them to be direct competitors, right? You want them to be complementary. So they're selling another product, but they're selling it to the same person you are. And collaborate with them. What does that look like? That could be cross-posting each other on social media. That could be doing shout-outs in each other's emails, which is my favorite one. That could be putting a bundle together. That could be going live together, right? There's so many ways that you can do that. You can do giveaways as long as it's your own product, (laughs) if you want. And maybe you get four or five people grouped together to do this. So now you're getting in front of all of these different audiences and just like amplifying your own message more than you could ever do on your own. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, I'm a bit biased towards that last piece, like because I, I believe in collaboration. It's mostly people coming on my podcast channel. I, I do it the other way around as well. Now, this is not strictly speaking an e-commerce example, of course, because we're both service providers, at least in in yeah. this context. But nevertheless, I I think two things. One, I can say that there's a wonderful thing that can happen, which is everyone has gaps in their funnel. Like I'm not an email expert. I believe in it. I could probably coach someone in the basics. But if I wanted somebody to go super advanced, I've got two or three people, and you're now maybe another other person in the armor i can go what jessica would be amazing for you actually why don't you talk about that to her go go see her because it's not something i can really hand at heart speak to and i would say that and uh, equally you might say well i can tell you about the basics of facebook ads but i'm not a whiz kid with it there's a guy who does it all the time so then you've actually got uh, you're, you're filling in the gaps in each other's audience's needs without stepping on each other's toes and if you choose well I have to say it is a beautiful thing. I also wanted to just say that you've absolutely nailed the e-commerce sellers I know. They want to hide behind their logo. I don't know why that is. A lot of them are really proud of their business and they talk about it all the time to everyone who listen, but they don't kind of want to be associated with it it for their audience, which I just find odd. And I guess it's a kind of hangover from the sort of impersonality of Amazon, right? You can kind of do that on Amazon because it's all about keywords. And nobody kind of knows you have a real brand. I guess once you've got your own direct-to-consumer site or an email series, I guess it comes the opposite, right? Tell me a bit more about that. What's going on mentally, do you think? Why do people hide behind their logo and how do they get away from that mentality? Yeah, look, I this is... (laughs) So a couple of years ago, I was going to start a subscription box. And I did not want to be the face of the brand. I was not comfortable on video. I wasn't going to show up live on social media, all of that stuff. That business never even got off the ground until I randomly met someone on Instagram who was already a bit of an influencer and was comfortable doing that. So I was like, we ended up partnering up and I was like, this is perfect because she can be the face of the brand and I can just hide in the back and do all those things, right? Then I became a service provider. Well, can't hide behind my logo for that, right? Because 
if people are going to buy my services, it's because they're going to invest in me. I need to show my face. So my point of telling you that is I get it. I've been there, but I have also seen the magic that comes with showing your face. And I actually had, I did this like intensive one-on-one with a business coach when I was first starting this business. Cause I was just felt like a fish out of like, I sell product, not services. Like it was really awkward for me. And she just said, like, don't let your drama get in the way of your dreams. And if that means I have to show my face, then I'm going to show my face. And it has been a game changer as it has been for many of the clients that I work with. So I am not a like woo woo, warm and fuzzy. I'm like, put on your big girl or big boy panties and just do it because it's going to get you the result that you want from your business. And it's going to go so much faster. Like that's how you fast track organic as you show your face. But by the way, I love your kind of personal brand, which is so clearly it's like kind of New York reality check in L.A. Because like yeah. L.A. is so full of woo woo. Because I get people from California on the podcast. It's like a different country. There's America where people are generally more optimistic than a cynical Brits. And then there's California where people just say, hey, I'm stoked to be on your podcast. I'm like, we just met. How can you be stoked? But they are, and they kind of genuinely are, and I kind of find it sweet, but you're kind of like the reality check, like put your big boy pants on and get out in front of that video camera. Well, I have to say, you've got to be right. I mean, I've, I've had, frankly, because of being on video and in people's earbuds for, for five years, I've frankly earned myself engagements to, to be keynote speakers at some big conferences and stuff that I don't think I necessarily deserve in terms of my personal expertise. I know people who know more than me about the topics I've spoken about. I mean, I think I, I bring in some value. I don't think I'm a complete yeah. fraud, but the fact that I'm out there at the time just builds authority. It's just one of those human things. Yeah. Like if you watch somebody on a stage, if you listen to them on what feels like a radio program to me when I'm listening to a podcast yeah. or watch them on what looks a bit like telly, i.e. YouTube channel, it does build some kind of authority. Yeah, if you've got five subscribers, not as much as if you've got five million, but it, it's just a thing. And, and I guess I'm very, very familiar with that and I'm comfortable, luckily, but you're incredibly articulate. You're an oh, example yeah. of somebody who, if you hadn't got on camera, for those who really only consume content via YouTube as opposed to via podcast, right? There were, I knew I was just rabbiting on about how wonderful it is to, to actually get out in front of the camera. Yeah. Um, yes. So tell me a bit more about the SEO thing, because obviously waiting a long time doesn't sound very attractive. But on the other right. hand, the wins are big. I mean, it, is that is that really a thing? It always feels like a sort of jam tomorrow promise to me somehow. If yes. That's a reference you yes. can relate to. I do. I want to make one more note about the face showing your face is Please. people buy from people. Right. And if we learned anything in 2020, which I got to tell you, I'm so sick of talking about, but it's so true is People do buy from people. They want to support smaller businesses. So let them know that that's what they're doing. So I just wanted to throw that in there and put as much of yourself in the business as you are comfortable and then just do like a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Okay. SEO. Yes, waiting totally sucks. But as long as you are doing it well, and you're, you're all white hat and you're not trying to create content for Google, you're creating content for the user, it's going to future proof you, right? So when the algorithm changes on social media and nobody sees your posts unless you pay for them, you are still getting that organic traffic. Here's the thing, Google, all they wanna do is get the user to the best result as fast as they can. 
that's all Google's trying to do, right? Create a really great user experience. So if you can partner with Google to help them do that, you are going to win big over the long term. And here's the thing, if you're trying to get in, if you're like a, I don't know if there's a term for this, but essentially you just kind of ride the wave of whatever the popular product is right now, then SEO is probably not the right strategy for you, right? You're just going to want to go paid ads because you got to strike while the iron is hot and like get as many sales on that product as you can. But if you are looking to build a long-term sustainable business and brand, SEO is going to always be there for you, working for you. So it is really important. And I know that it can, it sounds like this big, scary word to a lot of people and they kind of don't understand it and don't know what they're supposed to do. And there's a lot of crazy technical stuff you can do. And you're going to hear all the super, super big guys talk about that. But that doesn't mean that you as a smaller business can't benefit, right? I have a client, worked with her, it's probably about a year, year and a half ago now. She started out on Etsy. She started her own Shopify store. It was taking a while to build up Shopify. And we worked on SEO together. Now she'd been in business for a while. So we started seeing results in like the first three months. It was really quick, but I just went and peeked in her Google search console the other day. She is now ranking on page one for 12 non-branded keywords that are all related to her number one best-selling product. I mean, how do you not optimize for that? Like, how do you not try? Because the payoff is so, so good. And her organic traffic has more than doubled, as has her organic revenue. Yeah, I like it. I keep hearing sort of stories a bit like this. I've got a friend of mine, uh, Ashley Pierce, who's a member of the Masterminds also these days working on SEO for people as well. And he's at, uh, might as well give him a shout out as well at the end of the show. But I just think, yeah, the payoff is there. It's just like anything else. If you've got the patience and if you're in it for the long term, I guess it, you just, yeah, yeah you just got to be willing to do it. SEO is something I, I kind of feel really massively guilty about because I feel like I should be good at it because it's basically words based and I'm, I've been bad at it. The only thing I've moderately been good at is email marketing. And I guess it's just a lot smaller of a, of a fight to me to write an email than to write a really yeah. great blog post. Sure. But there's there's a number of wake up calls for me in here <laughs> that we ought to just touch on the paid thing. Obviously, that, that's kind of how long is a piece of string. But just in our sort of overview of a piece before we wrap up this this segment, tell us about the simplest version of paid strategies. Uh, you've already hinted if you've got more money than time, you should be looking at it. Also, that if you are trying to ride a wave that's going to be over soon, you ought to be using it. So, so tell us a bit yeah. more about that. Yeah. And there's, there's two different versions of paid. And I think when people hear paid ads, they immediately think Facebook and Instagram. And not that those are inherently bad. They can definitely work. But don't forget about search advertising, right? Like those are people who literally type in your product or the problem they're trying to solve that your product solves. And so those are much more qualified buyers than interrupting someone's scroll experience when they are, I don't know, looking at family photos or listening to people rant on Facebook. So 
think of both of those. And for some businesses, one might be better than the other, right? If you don't have a product that people are searching for, then maybe Google Bing ads are not going to be great for you. But also think about remarketing as well. So this is where I recommend people actually start because it's the cheapest traffic, right? You're just going to get the cheapest conversions of people who have already visited your site, who have already landed on your Facebook page or your Instagram or whatever it is, wherever you're hanging out. Maybe people who are already on your email list and use that remarketing to bring them back. I mean, look, the average e-com conversion rate, if you've got a wider assortment of product is only one to 3%. If you're like a one, two, three, six product store, maybe you have a four or 5% conversion rate because it's much more targeted, right? But typical e-com is one to 3%. You need a lot of people to make any money, right? So they're not all going to buy the first time they come to you. So using that remarketing, which you can, you know, do through Facebook and through Google, but we'll see how that all kind of changes. But for right now, you still can. And that's going to be really cheap traffic. So get started there. And I personally don't do Facebook ads. I have someone that I kind of pass all my clients to that we work really closely together. But you you kind of really need to think about your business and where you're at. And some people will, they kind of create like this funnel through ads where they're like growing the no like and trust with some engagement ads to cold audiences. You're just trying to get them to your website that first time. So then you can remarket to them to get the conversion. So like it's, yes, it's faster, but it's not always easy. It's not a magic bullet, right? Like I said earlier is it's going to amplify what already is or isn't working in your business, good or bad. So really focus on the customer and giving them what they need and want when they need and want it. And that is no matter what kind of marketing you're doing. So that would be my initial two cents on that. Excellent. Some very good advice. And I think, yeah, not a magic bullet. And also you've mentioned a couple of times that that thing that it just amplifies what's going on. I think Bill Gates said something like uh, technology or indeed a team will just amplify. So if you've got a mess, you'll get an amplified mess. And if yeah, you've got a good order exactly. of business, you get an amplified order. So I do think that there, there is some truth in the fact that a lot of marketing will will communicate. But unfortunately, what it's sometimes communicate, and I'm sure that I've done this and we'll probably do it again, is, is communicate your lack of vision and your chaos <laughs> that people will quite clearly go, these guys are a disaster. I'm not going to buy from them. So I guess, yeah, you've got to get your house in order and, and we're going to talk about the customer journey uh, for the, in the next episode, but I guess you, you've already kind of teed that up very well. Give them what they want when they need it rather than yeah. kind of forcing them through a funnel because they should know what they're supposed to do at this point rather than starting yeah. from them, I guess, which is <laughs> that's a whole different conversation in a way because that's that, that requires looking at really who the ideal customer is and their journey. But for the moment, fascinating thoughts. Love some wonderful takeaways for me as well. Having had a lot of these conversations, that's a good sign that some good value bombs are dropping, as they say in California. Oh, so 
<laughs> yeah, value bombs. <laughs> they have a certain language. In, in, internet marketers in California just have a certain way of, of living. Yeah. They, they, everything's stoked and they're value bombs dropping and it makes me laugh. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, well, but there I'm are value bombs. I'm here. Don't group me in with those I guys. know, man. I'm just teasing you because I can tell you so not, not like that. So tell us if people want to hear a bit more from you. I know you've got a lead magnet as all good uh, email list builders should have. Tell us a bit, bit about the lead magnet if people want to download yes. that. So I have a free resource center. It's literally every freebie I've ever created. I used to set them up all separately for my podcast episodes so I could see which one was getting the most traction. And then I decided that was too much work and I just put them all in one place. So you can get access to that at ecommercebadassery.com forward slash collective. Amazing. Yeah, by the way, yeah, I've done that. It's, it's one of those things where I did actually at least take action. I heard on various podcasts, various marketers I respected, oh, you should have some kind of tailored download for each and every episode. So I tried it for about 10 and then went crazy and went, this is not sustainable. Yeah. So I've been on that journey as well. But at least we as the audience get get to benefit from that. So ecommercebadassery.com forward slash collective, your free resource library. Give a bit of a taste of, of what people can get there. Yeah. So you'll find guides for finding your ideal customer. If you don't know who that is, figuring out where you should spend your time in marketing new or returning customers. There's content brainstorm worksheets. There's a ton of stuff in there. Yeah, that sounds like great stuff. Figure out where to spend your time. By the way, that's one of the, the, the takeaways today is that you, you're not focusing either or, but both and. It's not either new customers or existing ones, but a sort of balance between that you can shift but never goes too far one direction or the other. Really, really wise advice. So listen, um, we're going to formally end this podcast here. If you're listening live, we're going to stick around, so don't don't disappear. But for the moment, Jessica, thank you very much for sharing your wisdom. Great to hear it. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Michael. This was so much fun. Hey folks, I hope you enjoyed today's interview with uh, Jessica. I thought it was uh, really fun stuff, but also some really real gold nuggets in there. So uh, if you wanted to work with Jessica, one thing we didn't mention today, or I should have done, is just to tell you how to work with Jessica and what she does. So her basic things are the following. One is that she will help with email automation setups, particularly she's very good on Klaviyo, which is the classic, indeed, I think probably the, the best e-commerce platform out there from email so now two or three seriously smart people that i know using it absolutely swear by it she doesn't really do ongoing maintenance but it's more one-to-one work for people doing it in-house and can help you set that up and also set one-to-one high-level consulting for those who are running their own direct-to-consumer site clear the weeds what makes sense for your business basically decide what's going to make you money now and how to prioritize what to do right now because as, as you pointed out to me before the show, there's an awful lot of people like myself putting out content out there and there's a lot of podcasts and sort of things on your email to-do list, let alone everything else to-do list can become, you know, a mile long and having a coach to help you sort that out can really, really help. So if those are things you want to do, just go to find Jessica at ecommercebadassery.com. That's e-commerce with two M's, badassery with two S's ecommercebadassery.com and that's where you'll find Jessica and her I feel very refreshing direct style might really jive with you I certainly really like it I think she's uh, no BS but also you know very positive and she's been there and got the t-shirt with the retail game and the online marketing game somebody who knows the stuff 
very well. So if you want to get hold of Jessica, that's where to get hold of her. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. As ever, if you have enjoyed today's show, please don't forget to give us a rating. If you're on Apple Podcasts, one, two, three, four, five stars, just tap and you're done. If you can give us a review, that would be wonderful as well. And uh, don't forget to subscribe as well. So you get this show and all the um, podcast guests that I will try and fine tune to your needs by the way if you ever want to suggest a guest or um, have a particular topic you'd love us to address just email michael at amazing fba that's michael m-i-c-h-a-e-l at amazing fba.com and uh, do make your suggestions i'm always happy to go and get guests if it's going to resonate with you the listener that's why we do it thanks so much for listening cheers Thanks so much for listening to the 10K Collective podcast, part of the family of amazing FBA podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader. The podcast is hosted by yours truly and Jason Miles, multi-million dollar Shopify owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be, it's got your name on it. For free guides and mini courses on many topics, go to www.theecommerceleader.com.